social science teacher from Podar International School and Junior College Sangli. Today we are going to start first lesson of history the French Revolution the French Revolution In this chapter we will learn six points which six topic first French society during late 18th century second the outbreak of revolution third France abolishes monarchy and becomes a republic fourth did women have a revolution fifth the abolition of slavery and sixth and last the revolution and everyday life means in this chapter we are going to focus on the french society as well as political atmosphere and everyday life first we will learn about the title of this chapter french means france which is the one country of european continent and revolution what is the meaning of revolution revolution refers to a movement and often violent to overthrow an old regime and effect complete change in the fundamental institution of society this is the simple definition of revolution what is that revolution refers to a movement often violent to overthrow an old regime and effect complete change in the fundamental institution of society then what was the french revolution the french revolution was a period of social and political unheaval in france the revolution overthrew the monarchy then established a republic government catalyzed violent periods of political turmoil and finally culminated in a dictatorship under napoleon bonaparte in this chapter we will learn three types of government one monarchy second republic government and third dictatorship actually the french revolution is a landmark in the history of europe and the world the slogan of french revolution liberty freedom equality become important ideas of new era why the french revolution having more importance in our european history as well as world history let's start the first point of this chapter french society during the late 18th century french society was divided into three state first state second state and third state now we will learn first state first state comprised of the church and the clergy group of person invested with special functions in the church they enjoyed certain privileges by both for example example exemption from paying taxes to the state the church levied a tax called tithe from peasant clergy people were collecting taxes from peasant which is known as the tithe and proportion of tithe 10% of agriculture production this is the first state so which point we have to remember first state known as the clergy they had a certain privileges by birth they have exemption from paying taxes to the state they are collecting taxes from peasant which is known as the tithe second state second state known as nobility and nobility consisted of rich aristocratic people of the state the second second state also enjoyed the privilege of exemption 
from paying taxes to the state like first state they also enjoyed feudal privileges for example feudal dues which they extracted from the peasant first state and second state had privileges now we will learn third state what was the condition of third state in a french society during 18th century third state consisted of rest of the population for example businessmen merchants court officials lawyers peasants artisans landlady laborers etc the third state not had privileges not had privileges they had to pay direct taxes called tithe to the state as well as number of indirect taxes levied and article of everyday consumption like salt and tobacco etc peasants made up about 90% of the population in france only third state was paying taxes to church as well as state this is the first point of this chapter the french society during 18th century you have to remember first state second state third state and some types of the taxes because there were two types of the taxes one was the direct tax and second was the indirect tax tile was the one example of direct tax okay and other taxes were also there which is known as the indirect tax and indirect tax were on salt and tobacco thank you Hello everyone. I am Anil Sontakke, social science teacher from Podar International School and Junior College Sangli. Today we are going to learn the first chapter of geography India size and location. India size and location. What is the objective of this chapter? Objective identify the location of India in the Indian subcontinent. what is the objective identify the location of india in the indian subcontinent so let's start the chapter first point that is the location location of india india is a vast country located in the northern hemisphere latitudinal extent of india 8 degree 4 minute north and 37 degree 6 minute north longitudinal extent of india 68 degree 7 minute east and 97 degree 25 minute east means the indian mainland extends between latitudes 8 degree 4 minute north and 37 degree 6 minute north and longitude longitudes 68 degree 7 minute east and 97 degree 25 minute east the next point tropic of cancer tropic of cancer located on 23 degree 30 minute north tropic of cancer divides the country into almost two equal halves the part of india which is above tropic of cancer is called northern india the part of india which is below tropic of cancer is called south india next point size of india India total area 3.28 million square kilometer 
3.28 million square kilometer india comprises 2.4% of the world geographical area according to area india seventh largest country after russia canada usa china brazil and australia then boundaries of india india is bounded by the himalayas in the north northwest and northeast the arabian sea of the west the bay of bengal to the east and the indian ocean to the south india's land boundary is 15200 km with the coastal line of 7516.6 km now indian standard time there is a time lag of almost 2 hours between gujarat in the west and arunachal pradesh in the east hence time along the standard meridian of india 82 degree 30 minute east passing through mirzapur mirzapur is located in uttar pradesh means the standard meridian of india passing through mirzapur is taken as indian standard time for the whole country the la- latitudinal extent influences the duration of day and night as one moves from south to north now india and the world in this point we will focus on significance of the india central location india is located in the center between east asia and west asia the trans indian ocean routes which connect the countries of europe in the west and countries of east asia provides a strategic central location to india the deccan peninsula put Uh, protrudes into indian ocean helping india to have close contact with west asia africa and europe from the western coast and with southeast and east asia from the eastern coastal area indian ocean gets its name from india since india has a long coast line on this ocean next point india's contact with the world india's contact through land routes are much old than those through as the sea as people were afraid of travel by sea these land routes were through the mountain passes the ancient travelers exchanged ideas and commodities as they moved through these routes the ideas of upanishads ramayanas stories of panchatantra indian numerals and the decimal system spread to many parts of the world Similarly the influence of Greek sculpture the architectural style of domes and minarets of west asia can be seen in india next point water bodies around india bay of bengal in eastern side gulf of gulf gulf of kutch gulf of mannar and gulf of kamba Arabian Sea, Lakshadweep Sea, and Andaman Sea, Ocean, Indian Ocean, and Pearl Strait. Next point: Neighboring countries of India. India having seven neighboring countries: Pakistan and Afghanistan in the west, China, Nepal, Bhutan in north, Myanmar and Bangladesh in the east, Sri Lanka and Maldives in the south. and last point of this chapter countries of the indian subcontinent pakistan in the west sri lanka in the southeast 
Afghanistan, in the northwest, Maldives, in the south, India, in the center, Myanmar and Bangladesh, in the east, and China, Bhutan, and Nepal, in the north. So, dear student, this is India size and location, and we have uh, learned India's location in Asia as well as in the world. Thank you. Hello everyone. I am Anil sir, social science teacher from Podar International School and Junior College Sangli. Today we are going to learn the first chapter of economics, the story of village Palampur. The story of village Palampur. The objective of this chapter, understand the basic concept relating to production and elaborate on the scope of non-farming activities. Palampur is a hypothetical village. In Palampur, there are two production activities, one farming activities and second non-farming activities. Agriculture is a main production activity in Palampur. Dairy farming, small-scale manufacturing, transportation and shopkeeping, these are non-farming activities in Palampur. In Palampur, there are two primary schools and one high school, one government primary health center and one private dispensary some general stores and shop selling eatables and most of the houses have electricity connection. Shahapur is the nearest town and Raiganj is the neighboring village of Palampur. Now factors of production. There are four factors of production. What is the meaning of factor? The factor which affect production of goods and services are land, labor, physical capital and human capital. It is an activity that involves production of a good and services that a person needs. Means land, labor, physical capital and human capital. These are factors of production. What is the land? Land is a basic natural resource required as an input in any production activity and it is fixed in nature. What is the labor? Labor means physical and mental effort put in by the human being during the process of production. Third factor of production, physical capital. It means variety of inputs required at every stage of production such as tools and raw materials. There are two types of the physical capital. One is the fixed capital and second is the working capital. Fixed capital means tools, machines and buildings and working capital means raw material and money and fourth factor of production human capital human capital refers to knowledge and enterprise that are required to put together land labor and physical capital to produce an output now farming in a palampur land is fixed farming is the main activity in a palampur some wasteland converted to cultivable land in Palampur, there are two seasons of farming, Kharib season and Rabi season. Kharib season identified with rainy season. During Kharib season, crop grown are jar and bajra and these are used as a cattle feed. Second season, Rabi season. It is with winter or dry season. 
wheat is an important rabi crop sugar cane is grown on large scale during this rabi season there are three cropping pattern which are three cropping pattern single cropping pattern double cropping pattern and multiple cropping pattern what is a single cropping pattern in this one single crop is grown during a year on a given piece of land double cropping pattern in this two crops are raised during a year on a given piece of land and multiple cropping in this three or more crops are raised during a year on a given piece of land then the farming methods there are two farming methods one traditional farming methods and second modern farming method what is the traditional farming method these includes practices which indian farmers have been using from many generations use of pair of bullocks for plowing the field drawing water from the wells transporting produce to the market through bullock cart farmers work with traditional wooden tools and equipment organic manure provides nutrition to the soil and result of the traditional farming method low productivity then modern farming method this includes use of electricity machinery other sources of energy and irrigation facilities high yielding varieties of seeds chemical fertilizers pesticides insecticides tube wells and canals are source of irrigation modern implements and result of modern farming methods the productivity of land increases manifold what is the meaning of yield yield is a measured as crop produce on a given piece of land during a single crop and method to increase yield adoption of multiple farming and adoption of modern farming methods advantages of spreading electricity in a palampur it helps in a transformation of irrigation system it helps farmers to shift from traditional persian wheels to electric run tube wells electric run tube wells have more capacity than persian wheels and it leads whole society for darkness to light hello everyone welcome in second part of the story of village palampur in the first part we learn the introduction of palampur factors of production and farming in palampur now in this audio we are going to learn green revolution what is the meaning of green revolution revolution brought about in the field of agriculture by using high yielding varieties of seeds fertilizers irrigation fest pesticides insecticides etc in the late 1960 in the state of punjab haryana and western uttar pradesh what are the advantages of green revolution first advantage is high yield due to use of high yielding varieties of seeds use of machineries such as tractors threshers have made plowing and harvesting faster and easier higher yields enable farmers to sell the surplus food in the market to earn more money pesticides and insecticides are able to protect the crop from pests and insects 
a good irrigation system can enhance crop production and these are the advantages of green revolution now disadvantages of green revolution loss of soil fertility due to increased use of fertilizers continuous use of ground water for tube well irrigation has reduced the water table below the ground environmental resources like soil fertility and ground water are built up over many years once destroyed it is very difficult to restore them chemical fertilizer dissolve in the ground water and pollute it they kill bacteria and microorganism helpful for the soil increase use of fertilizers can make the soil alkaline late 1960 in the state of punjab haryana and uttar pradesh so these are the advantage these advantages of the green revolution what was the land distribution in a palampur in a palampur land distribution is unequal one third of the people are landless 50% of the people have small plots of land and 60 families have large and medium farms next point who will provide labor to farmers small farmers cultivating their own land medium farmers can hire laborers and large farmers also can hire laborers then how palampur farmers manage their capital small farmers and landless laborers borrow money from money lenders and traders with a high rate of interest and they were they are unable to repay repayment difficult and the large and medium farmers use saved money they lend money to small farmers and because of this saved money they can buy cattle tractors or set up shops then non farming activities in palampur dairy farming small scale manufacturing shopkeepers and transport these are the non farming activities so dear students in this chapter we learn the factors of production second farming in a palampur then green revolution land distribution who will provide labor to farmers capital for farming and non farming activities thank you hello dear students i am anil sir social science teacher from podar international school and junior college sangli today we are going to learn second chapter of geography physical features of india physical features of india and the objective of this chapter to understand the major landform features and underlying geological structure their association with various rocks and minerals as well as nature of soil types let's start the chapter india has almost all physical features of the earth like mountain plains deserts plateaus islands etc besides these india also have vast deserts large rivers deltas and extensive forest land formation of these features is related to the formation of rocks so the physical features of india can be grouped under the following 
physiographic divisions which are the physiographic divisions first the himalayan mountain second the northern plain third the peninsular plateau fourth the indian desert fifth the coastal plain and sixth the islands so these are the six physical features of india so we are going to learn one by one physical features of india so first the himalayan mountain the himalayan mountain the himalayas are george geologically young and structurally fold mountain total distance near about 2400 km the width varies from 400 km in kashmir to 150 km in arunachal pradesh and these mountain ranges run in west east direction from the indus to the brahmaputra river vertically division of himalaya mountain the northernmost range of himalaya mountain known as himadri or inner himalayas or great himalayas the middle range of himalayan mountain known as himachal himalaya or lesser himalaya and southernmost range of himalaya mountain shivalik range so this is the vertical division of himalaya mountain himadri himachal and shivalik range next regional division of himalayas the himalayas are also divided on the basis of regions from west to east this demarcation is done by river valleys the indus satluj kali tista and dihang rivers which are the divisions of himalayas mountain first punjab himalaya between indus and satluj river second kumau himalaya between satluj and kali river third assam himalaya between kali to tista river and nepal himalaya between tista to dihang rivers second physical features the northern plain total area 7 lakh square kilometer total length 2400 kilometer and broadness between 240 and 320 kilometer parts of the northern plain punjab plain ganga plain brahmaputra plain regions of northern plain bhabar tarai bhangar and khadar these are the regions of northern plain third feature the peninsular plateau this is a table land composed of the old crystalline igneous and metamorphic rocks it was formed due to the breaking up and the drifting of gondwana land thus it is a part of the oldest land mass the plateau has broad and shallow valley and rounded hills this plateau consists of two broad division first central highland and second deccan plateau central highland the part lying north of narmada river which covers most of the malwa plateau deccan plateau this triangular landmass lies to the south of narmada river the broad base of satpura range form its north while in the mahadev hills the kaimur hills and the maikal range from its eastern extension the deccan plateau is higher in the west and slopes gently eastwards
welcome dear students in second part of physical features of india now we are going to discuss western and eastern ghat western and eastern ghat the eastern ghats mark the eastern edge of the deccan plateau and the western ghats mark the western edge of the deccan plateau the eastern ghats are discontinuous and irregular and dissected by rivers draining the bay of bengal and the western ghat are continuous and can be crossed through the passes only the eastern ghat lie parallel to the eastern coast along the bay of bengal the western ghat they lie parallel to the western coast along the arabian sea the highest peak of eastern ghat is mahendragiri with a height of 1501 meter and the highest peak of the western ghats is anaimudi with a height of 2695 meter the average height of the eastern ghats 600 meter and the average height of the western ghats 1600 meter next point deccan trap the western part of the plateau known as the deccan trap contains black soil of volcanic origin the rocks are igneous and denuded to form black soil famous for cotton cultivation so this is the deccan trap fourth physical feature of india the indian desert this lies on the western margin of the arauli hills it consists of wave like sandy plains with various type of land dunes it receives less than 150 meter millimeter rainfall annually it has arid climate with low vegetation here streams appear only during the monsoon season luni is the only large river in this region so this is the indian desert the fifth physical feature the coastal plain the peninsular plateau is bordered by narrow coastal strips running along the arabian sea on the west and the bay of bengal on the east the western coast which lies between the western ghats and arabian sea is a narrow plain it consists of three sections northern part of the coast is called the konkan central stretch is called the kannad plain and southern stretch is called a malabar coastal plain the plains which lies along the bay of bengal is more wide and level the northern part it is known as nadan sarkar and in southern part it is called a koromandal coastal plain rivers like mahanadi godavari krishna and kaveri have formed extensive deltas on this coastal area lake chilika is the largest salt water lake on the eastern coast it is famous as a winter home for migratory birds it lies to the south of mahanadi delta and last feature of india the islands india has a two island groups first the lakshadweep island group it lies close to the malabar coastal area in kerala this group of island is composed of small coral islands earlier they were known as lakadweep minico and amin dive in 1973 these were named as lakshadweep 
they cover a small area of 32 square kilometer kavarati island is the administrative headquarter of lakshadweep in this group the pitti island has a bird sanctuary which is un- uh, uninhabited second island the andaman and nicobar island they are two chains of densely forested islands the andamans are bigger in size they are more numerous and scattered the entire group of island is divided into two broad categories the andamans in the north and the nicobars in the south these islands are believed to be an elevated portion of submarine mountains the southernmost tip of this island called indira point is more south than the indian mainland so dear students these are the six physical features of india the conclusion of this chapter the mountains are the major sources of water and forest wealth the northern plains are the granaries of the country they provided the base of early civilizations the plateau is a storehouse of minerals which has played a crucial role in the industrialization of the country the coastal regions and island groups provided sites for fishing and port related activities thank you hello everyone i am anil sir social science teacher from podar international school and junior college sangli today we are going to learn third chapter of geography drainage this is the drainage the objective of this chapter to understand the river system of the country and explain the role of rivers in the evolution of human society let's start the chapter what is the drainage drainage is a river system or drainage basin is an area drained by a single river system the system of water flowing away from somewhere into the ground means in a short uh, in a short the river system of an area known as a drainage system then what is the watershed watershed an upland or highland area that separates two drainage basin system then perennial river what is the perennial river perennial rivers have water throughout the year tributaries a small stream which joins the main river system for example yamuna is the tributary of the ganga river distributary a branch of main river which leaves the main river before it reaches the sea for example the hugli is a distributary of the ganga river deltas triangular shape alluvial deposit at the mouth of rivers where they enter the sea and for example sundarban delta is the largest delta in the world which is formed by ganga and brahmaputra river then right bank river the bank of river which is to the right while facing downstream then what is the glacier a huge mass of ice slowly flowing over a land mass formed from compacted snow in an area where snow accumulation exceeds melting and sublimation 
then rift valley a long narrow valley formed by land between two parallel faults subsiding uh, often also associated with earthquake activity so these are the some uh, keywords of this chapter now the first point of this chapter types of drainage system in this chapter there are four types of the drainage pattern one is the dendritic pattern second trellis pattern third rectangular pattern and fourth radial pattern these are the four types of the drainage pattern dendritic pattern it develops where the river channel for flow the slope of the land and when the streams and its tributaries drainage pattern resembles the branches of tree so it is called dendritic what is the trellis pattern this pattern develops when a river is joined by its tributaries at approximately right angles it also develops the hard soft rocks exist parallel to each other then rectangular pattern this drainage pattern develops on a strongly jointed rock terrain then fourth pattern radial pattern the drainage pattern develops when streams flow in different directions from a central peak or dome like structure next point drainage system in india the drainage system of india are mainly controlled by the broad relief features of the subcontinent the rivers of india are broadly classified into two major groups one the himalayan rivers and second perennial rivers himalayan rivers and perennial rivers what is the difference between the himalayan rivers and peninsular rivers first the himalayan rivers are perennial rivers and the peninsular rivers are seasonal rivers himalayan rivers get water from the both the melted snow and of heavy rainfall so the peninsular rivers depend on a rainfall only the examples of himalayan rivers the indus river the ganga river and the brahmaputra river and the example of the peninsular rivers the mahanadi the godavari the krishna the kaveri the narmada and the tapi let's focus on the himalayan rivers first indus rivers indus rivers originate from near lake mansarovar in tibet total length 2900 km tributaries satluj ravi jhelum chenab bias jaskar numbra shok and hunja and drain area of indus river tibet jammu and kashmir pakistan and arabian sea second himalayan river the ganga river source gangotri glacier in uttarakhand total length 2500 km tributaries ghagra gandak kosi chambal betwa yamuna son and drain area himalay mountain uttarakhand uttar pradesh bihar west bengal and bangladesh third river the brahmaputra river source east of mansarovar lake in tibet total length 2900 km tributaries dibang and lohit drain area tibet arunachal pradesh assam bangladesh and bay of bengal welcome students in second part of drainage chapter 
In first part we learn about the tribes of drainage pattern and Himalayan rivers. In the second part we are going to learn the peninsula rivers. Which are the peninsula rivers? The Mahanadi, the Godavari, the Krishna, the Kaveri, the Narmada and the Tapi. So let's start. The Mahanadi. Source or originate place? The highland of Chhattisgarh. Mouth of this river, Bay of Bengal, total length of Mahanadi 860 km and drain area Maharashtra, Chhattisgarh, Jharkhand and Odisha. Second, the Godavari River. Source or originate place, Brahmagiri Hill, Nashik district in Western Ghat. Mouth or ending point, Bay of Bengal, total length 1500 km, drain area Maharashtra, Madhya Pradesh, Odisha, Telangana and Andhra Pradesh. Third river, the Krishna river. Source, the western Ghats near Mahabaleshwar. Mouth, Bay of Bengal, total length 1400 km and drain area Maharashtra, Karnataka and Andhra Pradesh. Next river, the Kaveri. Originate or source, the Brahmagiri range of the western Ghat. Mouth Bay of Bengal, total length 760 km and drain area Karnataka, Kerala and Tamil Nadu. Next river, the Narmada. Narmada and Tapi, these are the westward rivers. The originate place of Narmada river, the Amarkandak hills of Madhya Pradesh. Mouth Arabian Sea in Gujarat and drain area Madhya Pradesh, Maharashtra and Gujarat. Next river, the Tapi river. Source, the Satpura ranges in the Betul district of Madhya Pradesh, mouth Arabian Sea in Gujarat, total length 724 km and train area Madhya Pradesh, Maharashtra and Gujarat. So this is the river system. Now we are going to learn about the lakes. Lakes are useful to human being in many ways. Dal Lake in a Kashmir valley is an uh, attractive tourism destination famous for its house, boats and shikaras. Other than tourism, lakes are also used for the sporty, sporting activities like boating, swimming, water sports. Importance of the lake Lakes are of great value of human being. A lake helps to regulate the flow or river. During heavy rainfall, it prevents flooding and during the dry season, it helps to maintain an even flow of water. It can also be used for developing hydel power. It moderates the climate of the surrounding, maintains the aquatic ecosystem, enhances natural beauty, develops, uh, helps develop tourism and provides recreation. 71% of the world's surface is covered with water, but 97% of that is salt water. 3% is available as a fresh water, 3 quarters of it is trapped as ice. Lakes of large extent are called the seas, like the Capsian, the Dead Sea and the Aral Seas. For example of the lakes, the Ular Lake in Jammu and Kashmir, then the Dal Lake, Nainital Lake, Bhimta Lake, Loktak Lake, Barapani, these are the some uh, or the important fresh water lakes. Role of rivers in economy. 
Rivers provide water for irrigation. Rivers provide facility for navigation. They provide water for domestic use like washing, cooking, drinking, etc. Rivers help to generate hydroelectricity power. The rivers banks have attracted become big cities. They helps to moderate the climate of the surrounding area and they help to promote fisheries. Last point of the chapter and this is the river pollution. Growing domestic, municipal, industrial and agriculture demand for water from rivers naturally affected the quality of water. Due to this demand, more and more water is being drained out of the rivers, reducing their value. Heavy loads of untreated sewage industrial waste uh, are emptied uh, into the rivers this affects the water as well as the self cleansing capacity of the river dear student this chapter is very important for the map work so you have to remember for the map work the himalayan rivers the indus rivers the ganga rivers and the satluj rivers and brahmaputra rivers and peninsula rivers the narmada the tapi the kaveri the krishna the godavari the mahanadi and some lakes which are the lakes ular lake pulikat lake sambar lake chilika lake vemnad lake koleru lake and their locations so dear this is the drainage chapter thank you Hello dear students I am Anil sir social science teacher from Bodar International School and Junior College Sangli Today we are going to learn second chapter of civics constitutional design constitutional design What is the objective of this chapter introduction to the process of constitution making develop respect for the constitution and appreciation for constitutional values and recognize that constitution is a living document that undergoes changes so these are the objectives of this chapter what is the constitution constitution is the supreme law of the country which the citizens and the government have to follow why do we need a constitution so let's start needs of constitution it generates a degree of trust and coordination among people that is necessary for the different kind of people living together it specifies how the government will the constituted and who will have the power to make these decisions it lays a, a down limits to the power of the government and also specifies the rights of the citizens it also expresses the aspiration of the people about creating a good society and for that we need a constitution second point making of the indian constitution india's constitution was drawn up under very difficult circumstances it was not an easy task to make the constitution for a huge and diverse country like india The country was born through a partition on basis of religious differences. Partition of India was a traumatic experience for the people of India and Pakistan. At least 10 lakh people were killed on both sides of the border in partition related violence. The British left the decision to the rulers of princely states to merge with India to merge with pakistan or remain independence 
द कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन मेकर्स वेर एंक्सियस अबाउट द प्रजेंट एंड फ्यूचर ऑफ द नेशन नेक्स्ट पॉइंट द पाथ ऑफ कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन Despite many difficulties during independence there was one big advantages for the constitution makers the advantage was that they lay they did not have to create a consensus about what a democratic india should look like consensus means general agreement so these basic ideas were uh, pivotal in the in, uh, formation of the indian constitution for example the nehru report then karachi session these are the two uh, important source of the indian constitution next point institutional evolution in 1937 elections for provincial legislature and ministers were held all over british india the experience of political institutions gained by indians proved to be a very useful for institutional design The Indian Constitution adopted many institutional details and procedures from colonial law like the Government of India Act 1935. Our leaders got the confidence to learn from other countries but not their own term. Many of our leaders were inspired by the ideals of French Revolution, Socialist Revolution of Russia, the practice of parliamentary democracy in Britain and Bill of Rights in the US. now the constitution assembly an assembly of the people's representative that writes a constitution for a democracy or for a country the drafting of the constitution was done by an assembly of elected representative called the constituent assembly election to the constituent assembly were held in july 1946 its first meeting or session was held on 9 december 1946 Dr Rajendra Prasad became a chairperson of Constituent Assembly on 11th December 1946 In Constituent Assembly of India there were 389 members The Constituent Assembly that wrote the Indian Constitution constituted to 99 members after the partition of India Indian Constituent Assembly spent 2 years 11 month and 18 days for making constitution The assembly adopted the constitution on 26 November 1949. The constitution came into effect on 26 January 1950. To mark this day, we celebrate 26 January as a Republic Day every year. Welcome dear students in second part of constitutional design Now we are going to learn the drafting committee and constituent assembly Dr B B R Ambedkar was the chairperson of drafting committee There were total 7 members in a drafting committee First some basic principles were decided and then a drafting committee under the chairmanship of Dr B R Ambedkar prepare a draft constitution took place clause by clause the member of drafting committee completed the work in 114 day spread over 3 years more than 2000 constitutional amendments were made Every document presented and every word spoken in the constituent assembly has been recorded and preserved. 
these debates provide the rationale behind every provision of the constitution uh, and are used to the interpret the meaning of the constitution so now next point legitimacy of the indian constitution today yes dear students nowadays also indian constitution having the more importance and respects by the indian people the constitution made by the constituent assembly more than 70 years ago is accepted the constitution does not reflect the view of its members alone but expresses a broad consensus of its time over the last many years several groups have questioned some provisions of the constitution but not large social group or political party has ever questioned its legitimacy this is an unusual achievement for the indian constitution on the world stage the constituent assembly could not be chosen directly by all the people as there was no universal adult franchise at that time next important members involved in drafting of indian constitution sardar vallabhbhai patel abul kalam azad डॉक्टर राजेंद्र प्रसाद एच सी मुखर्जी बलदेव सिंह सरोजिनी नायडू दुर्गाबाई देशमुख श्यामा प्रसाद मुखर्जी जवाहरलाल नेहरू डॉक्टर बी आर आंबेडकर दीज आर द प्रोमिनेंट मेंबर ऑफ इंडियन कॉन्स्टिट्यूट असेंबली बट यू रिमेंबर महात्मा गांधी वॉज नॉट अ पार्ट ऑफ इंडियन कॉन्स्टिट्यूट असेंबली बट देयर आइडियाज इन्फ्लुएंस ऑन अवर इंडियन कॉन्स्टिट्यूट असेंबली फिलोसॉफी ऑफ इंडियन कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन the values that inspired and guided the freedom struggle formed the foundation of india's democracy these values are included in a short statement of its basic values which is called the preamble to the indian constitution the guide all the articles of the indian constitution it is inspired by the american model of the constitution which begins with a preamble the preamble to the constitution reads like a poem on democracy it contains the philosophy on which the entire constitution has been built it provides a standard to examine and evaluate any law and action of government to find out whether it is good or bad it is the soul of indian constitution dear student the preamble is the soul of indian constitution because we the people of india it is the starting word of the preamble of indian constitution we the people of india the constitution has been drawn up and enacted by the people of india through their representative and the the philosophy of in, uh, indian preamble like that the we the people of india sovereign a socialist secular a democratic republic justice liberty equality fraternity so this is the important of our indian preamble as well as indian constitution thank you hello everyone i am anil sir social science teacher from podar international school and junior college sangli today we are going to learn second chapter of economics people as a resource people as a resource what is the people as a resource people as a resource means people are an asset rather than a liability the work population of a country so means we have to increase the asset not liability 
how can we make population as a asset so we can make population as a asset through investment education healthcare and training then classification of activities in various sectors primary sector secondary sector tertiary sector primary sector means it includes agriculture mining forestry animal husbandry etc and then secondary sector it includes manufacturing and construction and tertiary sector it includes trade commerce communication banking services etc next point types of economic activities market activities and non market activities what is the market activity these activities are performed for pay or profit such as a teacher engineer and doctor and what is the non market activities these activities are performed for self consumption such as a mother cook food for the her family next quality of population for that education and health these are the two two aspects are more important how education is important to make a quality populations what are the features of education an important input for growth open new horizons provide new aspiration and develop values for life occasional streams develop to provide skill based education investment in education has increased literacy rates have increased more among males than females literacy rates every from uh, 94% in kerala to 62% in bihar then 10th five year plan also was very important part of the education because in 10th five year plan endeavored to increase enrollment in education increase investment in a higher education for uh, 18 to 23 years to 15% uh, by 2011 12 uh, distance education then plans to increase the enrollment in higher education uh, plan outlay on education has increased from rupees 151 crores to rupees uh, 3766.90 crore and literacy rates have increased from 18% to 74% in 2010 to 11 then which step had taken by the government in the education field yes sarva shiksha abhiyan in that sarva shiksha abhiyan it is a significant step towards providing elementary education to all children in age group of 6 to 14 years by 2010 second scheme midday meal scheme it has been implemented to encourage attendance and retention of children and improve their nutritional status next health health facilities indispensable basis for realizing one's well-being help to increase a person's potential and ability to fight illness a healthy person becomes an asset and unhealthy person becomes a liability and because of that our government invested more money to uh, increase the healthcare facilities next point unemployment it is a situation in which a person is willing to work but not able to find the work this is the simple definition of unemployment and in this chapter we are going to learn three uh, types of the unemployment first seasonal unemployment when people are unable to find jobs during some months of the year they are uh, th- this is known as the seasonal employment second type of the unemployment disguised unemployment people appear to be 
employed but they are not actually employed and third type of the unemployment educated unemployment youth is educated enough but not able to find job for themselves means seasonal unemployment is occurs when workers can find work in a specific season for example agriculture workers may find work only during busy agriculture season when sowing harvesting weeding and threshing are done in disguised unemployment this is the phenomenon where too many workers are working in a specific job it happens in small agriculture farms where the whole family is working on the same farm but so many workers are not required to cultivate the farm efficiently and in education unemployment this type of unemployment is common in urban areas there is unemployment among the educated and technically skilled workers because they are not able to find the jobs for themselves thank you Hello dear students I am Anil sir social science teacher of Podar International School and Junior College Sangli welcome in Podar tune today we are going to learn what is democracy and why a democracy objective of this chapter to realize the importance of democracy to define democracy and to realize the problems of a non democratic country so let's start the chapter This chapter has divided into two parts what is democracy and why democracy so let's start the first part what is democracy the word democracy comes from the greek word demokratia in greek demos means people and kratia means rule according to abraham lincoln democracy is government of the people by the people for the people In this chapter we will explore the meaning need and features of a democracy. Why do we need a definition of democracy? Defining democracy is essential because it should be clear understood. Different people use it for different purposes and also different kinds of governments call themselves as democracies. we can understand the meaning of a word like democracy only by observing some examples where it has been practiced next point features of democracy there are many features but we are going to learn main features of democracy first rulers are elected by the people second decision making power rest with those who are elected by the people third it must be based on free and fair elections fourth each adult citizen must have one vote and each vote should have one value it, next its government rules within the limits which are set by constitutional laws and citizens rights and last decision making is often delayed because a large number of people need to be consulted so these are the some basic features of democracy next point demerits of democracy first demerit elected leaders may not be aware about the best decisions for the people second 
involvement of electoral competition in a democracy gives rise to corruption third ordinary people may not understand the meaning of collective good and hence they should not be made a part of the decision making process now merits of democracy first a democratic government is more accountable to the people as a large number of people are consulted in the decision making process democracy improves the quality of the decision made third it provides a method to deal with conflict and differences fourth democracy provides the fundamental rights to its citizens and thus enhance the dignity of the people and last democracy allows correction of its own mistake and hence is a better form of government last point of this chapter broader meaning of democracy the most common form of democracy is representative democracy in this the majority of people rule through their elected representative because modern democracies involve such a large number of people that it is physically impossible for them to sit together and take collective decisions even if they could the citizen does not have the time the desire or the skill to take part in all the decision making so a democratic decision involves consultation with and consent of all those people who are affected by that decision powerful and non powerful people should have the same say in taking the decisions this can apply to a government or family or any other organization so the so uh, main keywords for example a referendum a general vote by the electorate on a single political issue which has been referred to them for a direct uh, decision what is the cabinet the committee of senior minister responsible for controlling government policy next what is the dictatorship a form of government in which a person or a group of person possesses absolute power without effective constitutional limitation and what is the morality principles concerning the distinction between rights and wrong thank you hello everyone this is anil sir social science teacher from podar international school and junior college sangli today we are going to learn the second chapter of history socialism in europe and the russian revolution socialism in europe and the russian revolution through the revolution in russia socialism became one of the most significant and powerful ideas to shape the society in the 20th century industrialization brought many changes in russia uh, as well as in the world socialists were against private property and felt that it was the root of all social ills of the time after the second uh, international a number of socialist parties were formed in various part of the world in 1914 tsar nicholas ii ruled over russia he was an autocratic ruler the condition of peasants and status of workers in the industries were miserable 
nobel and clergy own large properties in russia two political groups were formed bolshevik led by lenin who believed in a socialism and menshevik led by kerensky who believed in democracy there was a revolt by workers in 1904 for better wages and later on led to the 1905 bloody sunday incident killing and injuring hundreds of people they demanded the formation of representative body called duma the february revolution then followed and brought down the monarchy in february 1917 in 1917 lenin came back to russia he withdrew from world war first and formed a number of trade unions during 1918 and 1919 a civil war broke out a system of central planning was introduced stalin a follower of lenin came to power in 1927 to 28 He believed in a collectivization of farms but the production did not increase Stalin's reign of terror was criticized later on the Russian revolution led a global influence which led to formation of many socialist parties and socialist governments so dear students in this chapter just we discuss the age of social change the russian revolution the february revolution in petrograd what changed after october the global influence of the russian revolution and the ussr so the first the age of social change inspired by the french revolution new ideas about individual rights and social change began to be discussed in europe and asia at the same time responses to complete societal changes varied in europe three different views groups spouted uh, uh, liberals radicals and conservatives second point industrial society and societal change new cities rose with the industrial revolution second men women and children work in factories third long working hours with low wages for low demand led to unemployment for rapidly growing towns faced housing and sanitation problems fifth liberals and radicals rallied around these issues and wanted revolutions next point the coming of socialism to europe first socialism as an idea attracted attention in europe by mid 19th century second it opposed private property and supported collective social interest third they had different vision of future for example some believed in setting up of cooperatives through individual initiative second while others wanted government to encourage cooperatives to replace capitalist this gave birth to the idea of communist society the russian empire in 1914 tsar nicholas second rule Russia along with present day Finland, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, parts of Poland, Ukraine and Belarus. It further stretched to present day Central Asia, Georgia, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Russian Orthodox Christianity along with Catholics, Protestants, Muslim and Buddhist comprise the major religions. Next point, economy and society. 85% of Russian economy was sustained by agriculture industries were very few in 1980s 
with the expansion of russian rail network foreign investment in industries increased industries were privately owned large factories were under government supervision steel factory rules were broken in craft unit and small workshops workers too were divided by skill as a social group for instance metal workers were considered as aristocrats as they were more trained and skilled despite division workers were united about dismissal and work condition peasants were the next social group who cultivated land owned by nobility crown and orthodox church peasants were divided along religious lines but united against nobility peasants community was called commune or mir they pooled their land together and later divided it on the basis of needs of individual family hello everyone this is second part of socialism in europe and russian revolution in first part we learn about the introductory part russian revolution then russian empire and now we are going to discuss about the socialism in russia before 1914 all political parties were illegal in russia the russian social democratic workers party form in 1898 operated secretly with its newspapers and mobilized workers Russian peasants in the eyes of Russian socialists were to be the main force of revolution Socialists in the countryside formed the Socialist Revolutionary Party in 1900 pressing the peasants rights and demanded land from nobles to be given to peasants Social Democrats differ differ from Socialist Revolutionaries Lenin a social democrat wanted disciplined party with quality member he led the bolshevik group menshevik wanted party to be open to all the 1905 revolution the russian followed autocracy where the tsar was not responsible to the parliament liberals wanted to end the state of affairs they joined hands with social democrat and socialist revolutionaries and demanded a constitution year 1904 was the worst for russian workers prices of essential goods increased with decline in wages workers were dismissed that call for industrial action strikes demanding reduction of working hours increase in wages and improvement in working condition Workers led by Father Gapon were attacked by police killing hundreds these came to be known as bloody sunday and started the 1905 revolution there were countryside strikes students walk outs under widespread revolution tsar allowed creation of an elected consultative parliament or, or duma political activities were restricted by tsar suspended first duma and installed conservative backed second duma liberals and revolutionaries were kept out the february revolution in petrograd winter of 1917 made the conditions in the capital worse with food shortage in workers quarters workers staged a protest against factory lockout with strikes joined by women this event marked the international women's day Cavalry and police was called to restrict demo demonstrators Duma was suspended demonstrators ransacked police headquarters and raised slogans 
कैवलरी रिफ्यूज टू फायर ऑन डेमो डेमोस्ट्रेटर्स मेनी रेजिमेंट्स ज्वाइंट स्ट्राइकिंग वर्कर्स फॉर्मेशन ऑफ सोवियत अ प्रोविंशियल गवर्नमेंट वॉज फॉर्म कॉन्स्टिट्यूंट असेंबली इलेक्टेड बाय यूनिवर्सल अडल्ट सफरेज मोनार्की वॉज फाइनली ब्रॉड डाउन इन नाइनटीन देन ऑक्टोबर रिवोल्यूशन नाइनटीन इंटेंस कन्फ्लिक्ट बिटवीन द प्रोविंशियल गवर्नमेंट एंड बोलशेविक ग्रू Fearing the setting up of dictatorship by provincial government, Lenin thought of an uprising. Secret plan of action was devised for seizing power. The uprising began on 24th October 1917 with both the sides trying to consolidate power. It ended with all Russian Congress of Soviet in Petrograd approving the Bolshevik action. Amidst heavy fighting in other cities, Bolshevik took hold. of moscow and petrograd by december the global influence of the russian revolution and the ussr thought bolshevik were criticized the way they work they were popular across the world communist parties began to be formed around the world and many flocked to ussr to receive education in communist universities socialism received a global presence and admiration No doubt USSR became a great power with developed industries and agriculture but basic freedom for its people was absent development was carried out with repression socialist ideas were rethought around the world thank you hello everyone i am anil sontake Social science teacher from Podar International School and Junior College, Sangli. Today, we are going to learn the most important chapter and interesting chapter: Nazism and the rise of Hitler. Nazism and the rise of Hitler. Objective of this chapter: through class discussion and a written response. students will examine how choices made by individuals and groups contributed to the rise of the nazi party in the 1920s and 1930s students will label the 1920 nazi party platform and use it to draw conclusions about the party's universe of obligation and core values the first point of the chapter birth of weimar republic birth of weimar republic After initial gains Germany and the central powers were defeated in World War 1 allies got strengthened with US entry in the war in 1917 abdication of German emperor and setting up of the national assembly elections based on universal adult franchise formation of republic in Germany could not influence Germans blame for german humiliation by accepting german defeat and signing of treaty of versailles what was the treaty of versailles so let's start treaty of versailles 1919 because of this treaty germany lost her overseas colonies germany's military power reduced rhineland demilitarized germany lost her national territories war guilt and reparations these were the effects of this treaty effects of war first devastating impact on world both psychological and financial 
second from creditors europe turned debtors germany faced war guilt national humiliation and found itself crippled financially soldiers rose above civilians trace on men being aggressive strong and masculine media glorified trench life war propaganda and national honor caught public attention support for conservatives dictatorship democratic ideals ceased the years of depression wall street exchange in usa crashed beginning of great economic depression germany faced its worst economic crisis loss of job or reduced wages unemployment reached uh, unprecedented levels and currency lost value saving a diminished fear of impoverishment uh, engulfed the whole germany problems faced by weimar republic weak coalition government economic and social crisis treaty of versailles and new democracy next point hitler's rise to power german defeat show hitler and versailles treaty made him furious joined german workers party and later control it renamed it as a national socialist german workers party attempts to capture power but failed own 2.6 percent votes in reichstag the german parliament developed nazi ideology great depression helped him to further popularize nazism nazi party became the largest party in 1932 reasons for hitler's popularity first powerful speaker second promise to build strong nation undo treaty of versailles restore german dignity and unemployment third use rituals and spectacles for mass mobilization and skillfully projected nazi propaganda destruction of democracy in germany hitler offered chancellorship by hindenburg hindenburg was president of germany he dismantled structure of democratic rule mysterious fire in reichstag announced fire decree suspending civic rights communists sent to concentration camps passed in abling act and established his dictatorship sa gestapo sd ss control and order society as per nazi ideology reconstruction by nazi party hajmer shack assign economic recovery gave germany state funded work creation program then super highways and volkswagen people's car revised foreign policy hitler moved out a league of nation gave the slogan one people one empire and one leader hitler sought war to get out of economic crisis war with poland france and england signed a tripartite pact with italy and japan in 1940 attack ussr 1941 but faced defeat nazi world view no equality among people but racial hierarchy followed the concept of evolution and natural selection along with survival of the fittest declare aryan race to be the finest and developed the concept of levenstrom acquired new territories to enable settle uh, of finest race youth in nazi germany hitler sought to teach children nazi ideology schools were cleansed jewish teachers dismissed children segregated school textbooks were rewritten then children taught to be loyal submissive hate jews and worship hitler sports nurturing violence and aggression were popularized 
बॉयज हैव टू ज्वाइन नाजी यूथ ऑर्गेनाइजेशन हिटलर यूथ आफ्टर रिगोरस एडोलॉजिकल एंड फिजिकल ट्रेनिंग दे ज्वाइन द लेबर सर्विस अदर यूथ ऑर्गेनाइजेशन वेयर बैन द नाजी कल्ट ऑफ मदरवुड सो यू रिमेंबर दिस फॉलोइंग पॉइंट्स रेडिकली डिफरेंट फ्रॉम मेन ट्रीटेड एज अ सेकेंड क्लास सिटीजन ओनली वैल्यूएबल एज मदर and last special awards to mother with many children the art of propaganda use of language and media for a great effect used deceptive terms to describe various practices final solution euthanasia disinfections evacuations media popularized nazi view through images films radio posters slogans jews were stereotype and mark referred to as vermin rats and pets suggested that only nazi can solve all problems last point of this chapter ordinary people and the crimes against humanity is reaction of common people to nazism many saw world through nazi eyes and spoke in nazi language they hated the sight of jews reported them suspicious neighbors then believed nazism would bring prosperity and many other brave police uh, repression and death majority were passive on locus they fear to act and protest so all my dear students so you remember and revise this chapter properly for upcoming exams thank you hello everyone i am anil sontake social science teacher from podar international school and junior college sangli today we are going to learn the most important chapter and interesting chapter nazism and the rise of hitler nazism and the rise of hitler objective of this chapter through class discussion and a written response students will examine how choices made by individuals and groups contributed to the rise of the nazi party in the 1920s and 1930s students will label the 1920 nazi party platform and use it to draw conclusions about the party's universe of obligation and core values the first point of the chapter birth of weimar republic birth of weimar republic after initial gains germany and the central powers were defeated in world war 1 allies got strengthened with us entry in the war in 1917 abdication of german emperor and setting up of the national assembly elections based on universal adult franchise formation of republic in germany could not influence germans blame for german humiliation by accepting german defeat and signing of treaty of versailles what was the treaty of versailles so let's start treaty of versailles 1919 because of this treaty germany lost her overseas colonies germany's military power reduced rhineland demilitarized germany lost her national territories war guilt and reparations these were the effects of this treaty effects of war first devastating impact on world both psychological and financial 
second from creditors europe turned debtors germany faced war guilt national humiliation and found itself crippled financially soldiers rose above civilians trace on main being aggressive strong and masculine media glorified trench life war propaganda and national honor caught public attention support for conservatives dictatorship democratic ideals ceased the years of depression wall street exchange in usa crashed beginning of great economic depression germany faced its worst economic crisis loss of job or reduced wages unemployment reached uh, un president levels and currency lost value saving a diminish fear of impoverishment uh, engulf the whole germany problems faced by bimmer republic weak coalition government economic and social crisis treaty of versailles and new democracy next point hitler's rise to power german defeat show hitler and versailles treaty made him furious joint german workers party and later control it rename it as a national socialist german workers party attempts to capture power but fail own 2.6 percent votes in reichstag the german parliament developed nazi ideology great depression helped him to further popularize nazism nazi party became the largest party in 1932 reasons for hitler's popularity first powerful speaker second promise to build strong nation undo treaty of versailles restore german dignity and unemployment third use rituals and spectacles for mass mobilization and skillfully projected nazi propaganda destruction of democracy in germany hitler offered chancellorship by hindenburg hindenburg was president of germany He dismantled structure of democratic rule. Mysterious fire in Reichstag announced fire decree suspending civic rights. Communists sent to concentration camps, passed enabling act and established his dictatorship. SA, Gestapo, SD, SS control and order society as per Nazi ideology. Reconstruction by Nazi party. Hajmer Shack assigned economic recovery gave Germany state funded work creation program then super highways and Volkswagen people's car revised foreign policy Hitler moved out a league of nation gave the slogan one people one empire and one leader Hitler sought war to get out of economic crisis war with Poland France and England signed a tripartite pact with Italy and Japan in 1940 attack ussr 1941 but faced defeat nazi worldview no equality among people but racial hierarchy followed the concept of evolution and natural selection along with survival of the fittest declare aryan race to be the finest and developed the concept of levenstrom acquired new territories to enable settle uh, of finest race youth in nazi germany Hitler sought to teach children Nazi ideology. Schools were cleansed. Jewish teachers dismissed children, segregated. School textbooks were rewritten. Then children taught to be loyal, submissive, hate Jews, and worship Hitler. Sports nurturing violence and aggression were popularized. 
बॉयज हैड टू ज्वाइन नाजी यूथ ऑर्गेनाइजेशन हिटलर यूथ आफ्टर रिगोरस एडोलॉजिकल एंड फिजिकल ट्रेनिंग दे ज्वाइन द लेबर सर्विस अदर यूथ ऑर्गेनाइजेशन वेयर बैन द नाजी कल्ट ऑफ मदरवुड सो यू रिमेंबर दिज फॉलोइंग पॉइंट्स रेडिकली डिफरेंट फ्रॉम मेन ट्रीटेड एज अ सेकेंड क्लास सिटीजन ओनली वैल्यूएबल एज मदर and last special awards to mother with many children the art of propaganda use of language and media for a great effect used deceptive terms to describe various practices final solution euthanasia disinfections evacuations media popularized nazi view through images films radio posters slogans jews were stereotype and mark referred to as vermin rats and pets suggested that only nazi can solve all problems last point of this chapter ordinary people and the crimes against humanity is reaction of common people to nazism many saw world through nazi eyes and spoke in nazi language they hated the sight of jews reported them suspicious neighbors then believed nazism would bring prosperity and many other brave police uh, repression and death majority were passive on locus they fear to act and protest so all my dear students so you remember and revise this chapter properly for upcoming exams thank you hello everyone This is Anil sir social science teacher from Poda International School and Junior College Sangli Today we are going to learn geography chapter climate Today's topic is climate Objective of this chapter to identify the various factors influencing the climate and explain the climatic variation of our country and its impact on the life of the people Let's start the chapter before starting the chapter we are going to learn the all keywords and terms and definition from this chapter first of all what is the climate climate is a sum total of weather conditions and variations over a large area for a long period of time generally more than 30 years second term weather what is the weather weather is the state of the atmosphere over an area at any point of time for example heat cloudiness dryness sunshine rain and rainy weather next precipitation the action or process of precipitating a substance from a solution falling products of condensation in the atmosphere as a rain snow or hail monsoon a periodic wind especially in the indian ocean and southern asia commonly marked by heavy rains now first topic elements of the weather and climate there are six elements of weather and climate first temperature second humidity third air pressure fourth cloudiness or sunshine fifth precipitation and sixth wind what is the monsoon The word monsoon is derived from the Arabic word mawsim which literally means season. 
मौसम मीन्स सीजन सो मॉनसून रेफर्स टू द सीजनल रिवर्सल इन द वीन डायरेक्शन ड्यूरिंग अ इयर एंड इन एशिया इंडिया एंड अदर साउथ एंड साउथ ईस्टर्न कंट्रीज हैव मॉनसून टाइप ऑफ क्लाइमेट नेक्स्ट पॉइंट क्लाइमेटिक कंट्रोल्स और द फैक्टर्स ऑफ क्लाइमेटिक कंट्रोल्स देर आर सिक्स क्लाइमेटिक कंट्रोल्स फर्स्ट लैटिट्यूड सेकंड एल्टीट्यूड थर्ड प्रेशर एंड वेन सिस्टम फोर्थ कॉन्टिनेंटेलिटी और डिस्टेंस फ्रॉम द सी फिफ्थ ओशन करंट्स एंड सिक्स रिलीफ फीचर्स नेक्स्ट पॉइंट मैकेनिज्म ऑफ मॉनसून सम फैक्ट्स आर इंपॉर्टेंट टू अंडरस्टैंड द मैकेनिज्म ऑफ द मॉनसून व्हिच आर दे फर्स्ट द डिफरेंशियल हीटिंग एंड कूलिंग ऑफ लैंड सेकंड आईटीसीज हेड मींस इंटर ट्रॉपिकल कन्वर्जेंस जोन then roll of madagascar then the tibetan plateau jet stream and el nino and el nino and southern oscillation next point the seasons in our india there are three seasons first the cold weather season which is known as winter season second the hot weather season which is known as summer season third advancing monsoon which is known as rainy season and last retreating or post monsoon season thank you hello everyone this is anil sontak social science teacher from podar international school and junior college sangli Today we are going to discuss natural vegetation and wildlife. This is the fifth chapter of geography, natural vegetation and wildlife. Objective of this chapter to describe diverse flora and fauna as well as their distribution in the country. Second, to explain the need to protect the bi- biodiversity. Let's start the chapter. Dear students, in this chapter is divided into two parts what is the natural vegetation and second is the wildlife means we are going to discuss what is natural vegetation and what is the wildlife let's start india is one of the 12 mega biodiversity country of the world how can we say because in our india 47000 plant species 90000 animal species including that 15000 are flowering plants and 2000 species of birds and insects so based on this information we can say or we can prove india is one of the 12 mega biodiversity countries of the world what is the meaning of natural vegetation natural vegetation is the plant community which has grown naturally without any human intervention those natural vegetation which are left undisturbed over a long period of time are called virgin vegetation there are two types of the vegetation one is the endemic species and second is the exotic species endemic species these plant species are originated from the country exotic species these plant species are originated outside the country which factors affecting vegetation 
so there are two main factors which affecting vegetation one is the relief and second is the climate relief includes land and soil and climate includes temperature photo period photo period means sunlight and precipitation importance of forest forest are advantages for environment they influence climate reduce soil erosion regulate stream flow provide raw material for industries and livelihood for many etc they control wind flow wind force and temperature and cause rainfall they also provide shelter to various animal species this is the importance of forest thank you hello my dear students this is anil sontakke social science teacher for grade 9 in previous audio we learn about the natural vegetation and in this video we are going to learn about the wildlife means fauna india is also rich in its fauna means animal life india has approximately 90000 animal species they constitute 13% of the world stock and there are 2546 species of fish which account for nearly 12% of the world stock it also shares between 5% and 8% of the world's ambiens reptiles and mammals distribution of wildlife in india the existence of animals in our country varies from place to place for example the elephant are found in the hot wet forest of assam karnataka and kerala one horn rhinoceros are found in swampy and marshy lands of assam and west bengal arid areas of the run of kutch and the thar deserts are the habitat for wild donkey and camels respectively india is the only country in the world that has both tigers and lions the natural habitat of the indian lion is the gir forest in gujarat tiger and leopards are found in the forest of madhya pradesh the sundarban of the west bengal and the himalayan region in himalayan region Ladakh's freezing high altitude are a home to yak the shaggy horn wild ox then wild sheep and the kiang kiang means tibetan wild donkey the ibex bear snow leopard and very rare red panda are found in certain pocket in the rivers lakes and coastal areas turtles crocodiles and gharials are found gharials is the one only representative of variety of crocodile found in the world today peacocks pigeons ducks parakeets crane and pigeons are some of the birds inhabiting the forest and wetland of the country 
इंडियन बाइसन नील गाय गैजल एंड डिफरेंट स्पेसीज ऑफ डियर आर सम अदर एनिमल्स फाउंड इन डिफरेंट प्लेसेस ऑफ इंडिया इट ऑल्सो हैज सेवरल स्पेसीज ऑफ मंकीज द वेटलैंड ऑफ इंडिया आर होम टू मेनी माइग्रेटरी बर्ड्स सच एज साइबेरियन क्रेन एंड फ्लेमिंगो नेक्स्ट पॉइंट नीड ऑफ इन्वायरमेंटल कंजर्वेशन Every species has a role to play in the ecosystem so its conservation is essential due to excessive exploitation of the plants and animal resources by human beings the ecosystem has been disturbed about 1300 plant species are endangered and 20 species are extinct quite a few animal species are also endangered and some have become extinct next point government step for protection of flora and fauna in our country 18 biosphere reserves have been set up in the country to protect flora and fauna financial and technical assistance is provided to many botanical gardens by the government since 1992 many other eco developmental projects have been introduced such as project tiger project rhino project great indian buster etc 103 national parks 535 wildlife sanctuaries and zoological gardens are set up to take care of natural heritage so these are the steps taken by government to protect flora and fauna so dear students just remember what is the wildlife the animal species the distribution of wildlife in our country means which animal are found in india why do we need to conserve the plant species as well as animal species and which governments has taken the step to protect flora and fauna thank you hello dear students i am anil sir social science teacher for grade 9 today we are going to learn third chapter of economics poverty as a challenge poverty as a challenge poverty is a condition which person lacks the financial resources and essential things to enjoy minimum standards of life it is the most difficult challenge faced by independent india poor people can be landless laborer in village juggi and slum dwellers in cities and towns daily wage workers at concentration sites child workers in dhabas or even beggars as per the poverty report 2011-12 roughly 270 million or 27 crore people in india live in poverty this means india has the largest single concentration of the poor in the world where every fourth person is poor social scientist analyzed poverty from many aspects besides level of income and consumption these aspects include poor level of literacy lack of job opportunities etc 
सोशल एक्सक्लूजन एंड वलनेबिलिटी आर द मोस्ट कॉमनली यूज इंडिकेटर्स फॉर द पॉवर्टी एनालिसिस पॉवर्टी लाइन इज एन इमेजनरी लाइन यूज बाय एनी कंट्री टू डिटरमाइन पॉवर्टी इट वेरीज टाइम टू टाइम प्लेस टू प्लेस एंड कंट्री टू कंट्री द मोस्ट कॉमन मेथड ऑफ डिटरमाइनिंग पॉवर्टी इज इनकम और कंजप्शन लेवल द कैलरीफिक रिक्वायरमेंट and expenditure per capita are different for urban and rural areas for example rural areas 2400 calories per person per day and urban area 2100 calories per person per day surveys for determining poverty lines are carried out by the national sample survey organization nso The organization is under the Ministry of Statistics and Program Implementation of the Government of India. Poverty among social groups and economic categories varies widely in India. Female infants, women and elderly members are not given equal access to resources available to the family. Bihar and Odisha continue to be the two poorest state with poverty ratios of 33.7% and 37.6% respectively in states like kerala andhra pradesh gujarat there is significant decline in poverty the proportion of people living under poverty in different countries is defined by the international poverty line power means the population below dollar 1 a day there is a decline in poverty in southeast asia and china due to ra- rapid economic growth and massive investment in human resource development the millennium development goals of the united nations formulated in 2000 call for reducing the proportion proportion of people living on less than dollar 1 a day to half uh the 1990 level by 2015 there are many causes for the prevalence of poverty in india like unemployment low income development and income inequalities removal of poverty has been one of the major objective of indian developmental strategy there is strong linkage between economic growth and poverty reduction the government of india introduced targeted anti poverty program starting from 1990 poverty reduction is still a major challenge in india due to the wide differences between regions as well as rural and urban area so dear student this is the summary of this chapter thank you हेलो डियर स्टूडेंट्स दिस इज अनिल सोनटके सोशल साइंस टीचर फॉर ग्रेट नाइन्थ टुडे वी आर गोइंग टू डिस्कस अ चैप्टर ऑफ सिविक्स वर्किंग ऑफ इंस्टीट्यूशंस वर्किंग ऑफ इंस्टीट्यूशंस वी नो ऑल इंडिया इज अ डेमोक्रेटिक कंट्री एंड इन अ डेमोक्रेसी द रूलर्स हैव टू फॉलो सम रूल्स एंड प्रोसीजर्स दे हैव टू वर्क विथ एंड विद इन इंस्टीट्यूशंस in this process they come across three institutions that play a key role in major decisions 
these institutions are legislature executive and judiciary in this chapter we will understand how all the institutions together carry on the work of the government let's start the chapter a major policy decision is taken through a government order an order issued by government is called an office memorandum the major decision involves some major functionaries of our country they include the president the prime minister and parliament parliament is a set of a people who are regularly elected by the people directly or indirectly because parliament consisted of lok sabha and rajya sabha the importance of parliament lies in the fact that is the final authority for making new laws and changing existing laws in our country the parliament of india consists of two houses the upper house means rajya sabha and the lower house means lok sabha the upper house or rajya sabha is indirectly elected and performs special functions the lower house or lok sabha is directly elected by people and exercises the real power on behalf of the people the constitution of india gives some special powers to rajya sabha but the lok sabha exercises supreme power on most matters executives take day to day decisions but not exercise supreme power on behalf of the people there are two categories of executive permanent executive and political executive the political executive is more powerful than the permanent executive the prime minister is the head of the government and actually exercises all the government powers the leader of the majority party or coalition is appointed the prime minister by the president the prime minister does not have a fixed tenure he continues in power until he has majority the prime minister has wide ranging powers he advises the president to appoint the other ministers the council of minister is the official name for the body that includes cabinet ministers minister of states with independent charge and ministers of state the president is the head of the state and exercises only nominal powers the president is indirectly elected by an electoral college in accordance with the system of proportional representation all the courts at different levels in a country put together is called integrated judiciary the powers and the independence of the judiciary allows it to act as the guardian of the fundamental rights through public interest litigations means pil anyone can approach the courts if public interest is hurt by the action of government so these are the three institutions just we discuss which one the legislature executive and judiciary system clear legislature means president prime minister council of ministers lok sabha and rajya sabha executive permanent executive political executive and judiciary system 
सो सुप्रीम कोर्ट हाई कोर्ट एंड सबॉर्डिनेट कोर्ट थैंक यू Social science teachers for grade ninth. Today, we are going to discuss the powers of president. The powers of president. The powers of president has divided into five points, which are the powers: first, executive powers, legislative powers, judicial powers, financial powers, and emergency. So let's start the executive powers. As an executive, the president appoints the prime minister of the country. President also has the power to appoint the governors, ambassadors, and other dignitaries of the states. The president of India is the supreme commander of the Indian Defence Forces, the Army, the Navy, and Air Forces. The president represents India when dealing with other countries and these are the executive powers of Indian president. Second, legislative powers. The president addresses the first session of the parliament when a government is formed after the elections. A bill becomes a law only once the president has signed it. The president has the power to nominate 12 members to Rajya Sabha. President can also nominate two members to the Lok Sabha from the Anglo-Indian community. The president can call for a joint session of both the houses of parliament if they do not agree on a bill. The president can dissolve the Lok Sabha. President can also summon or end a session of parliament. the president can issue ordinances which are equivalent to a law when the parliament is not in a session these are the legislative powers third judicial powers the president has the power to reduce a sentence or grant pardon to any person sentenced by indian courts the president appoints the judges of the supreme courts supreme court and the state high courts The president can also consult the supreme court on issues of public importance. Criminal proceedings cannot be started against the president during his term of office. These are the judicial powers. Fourth, financial power. The president's approval is required before introducing a money bill in parliament. The president also appoints the finance commission to make recommendations about the distribution of taxes between the center and the states. The president lays the annual financial statement or the budget to the parliament. And last, the emergency. The president can declare an emergency if he is convinced that the security of the country is threatened by war or a rebellion. The president can also declare an emergency in a state if he is satisfied that the state cannot be run according to the provisions of the law. The president can also declare financial emergency if he is assured that India's financial stability is at risk. He can rectify it by controlling the distribution of funds to the states. So these are the powers of Indian 
President, Executive Powers, Legislative Powers, Judicial Powers, Financial Powers and Emergency. Thank you.